Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Business Strategy. Today we have a very important episode to discuss and that involves picking the right entity structure within your organization. Now, before we jump in, let me just emphasize this. This is not legal advice. Can we just talk friend to friend here in this episode? I just wanna share with you some insights that I've picked up over the years as I've started companies, as I've turned around companies, I've restructured them, and I've just operated in the business world. But I am not your legal advisor here. So make sure you check with your own advisor and your own professionals to get advice that's specific to your situation. Okay, so I just wanna throw that out there. So we're very clear on that from the get-go because we're gonna be talking about some legal structures today in this episode. What I have found is that structure always dominates. And you'll hear me say that over and over again, whether it's on this podcast or whether it's in the courses that I offer or whether I'm working with your company, you'll hear me say that over and over again, structure, structure, structure. It's all about structure. When it comes to a company, the structure always wins. Now, as a CFO, as an entrepreneur, as a business advisor, I have been in situations where I've seen organizations struggle because they're in the wrong entity structure. Okay, so whether you're an established business and you already have an entity structure, or whether you're just starting out, this is gonna be a very important episode because you can always restructure and you could change things around in the future, right? If you're in a bad structure already, or if you're listening to this and you're like, oh crap, that's me, I need to change things around. There are ways out of it. But if you could get this right from the get-go, you're gonna save a lot of heartache, a lot of headache, and a lot of money. Okay, so let's go ahead and jump in. We are gonna be talking about entity structures in the context of the United States. So if you're in a different country, your structures may look different based on your legal system, but let's just talk about things from a US perspective. So simply stated, here are the main types of entity structures that exist out there. And I'll start with the easiest one. So the easiest one is just a sole proprietorship. This is the simplest form of business structure where an individual operates a business on their own and it offers complete control, but it also holds personal liability for any debts or legal issues. So in other words, let's just say you wanna start a business and you wanna start selling bracelets online. Well, you can easily just start doing that. And you can use your social security number, almost has your tax ID number, and you start selling it, you collect revenue, you have your expenses and you track it, and then you can file return as a sole proprietorship. Okay, so it's very easy in the United States to get started. However, this type of approach leaves you exposed to liability because let's just say you sold bracelets out there in the world and God forbid somebody's guinea pig got choked by the bracelet or they wanted to sue you or something else, a kid swallowed one of the beads or whatever it may be, you are exposed personally to that liability because you don't have an entity structure that's protecting you. So a sole proprietorship is an easy way to get started, but it's not recommended. When it comes to structure, I'm psycho about this in a way because I always like to keep things separate. From an accounting and finance perspective, I don't like to commingle things. So I like to have separate bank accounts for each entity that I'm running. I would never mix my personal bank account with my business account. If you're doing this, you have to stop that. You have to change that up. That's not a good idea. And you have to have the right structures in place to protect you. So for example, I work with a lot of companies and they'll have their business property in an LLC and then their business occupies that property and they pay rent to themselves, 
or they don't pay rent at all. And it's not an arm's length transaction. So it exposes the LLC because it's not truly running as an LLC. So if you're not running these entities correctly, if you don't have the bylaws, articles of incorporation, articles of organization, whatever it may be, if you don't track minutes, if you're not running it like the legal entity that it's meant to be, that it's designed to be, then you can expose yourself to liability. And that's really what we're trying to avoid here. So when it comes to sole proprietorship, yeah, it's easy to do, but definitely not recommended. So let's step it up a notch. Another type of entity structure involves a partnership. A partnership involves two or more individuals who share ownership and responsibilities for a business. There are different types of partnerships, including general partnerships, where all partners have equal responsibility. So for sure, a general partnership can be referred to as a GP, a general partner. And then there's limited partnerships, LPs, which include both general and limited partners with varying degrees of liability. So when it comes to the world of private equity, Sometimes you'll see entity structures where there's a general partner, a GP, and then there's LPs in the investors, the individual investors that are putting the money into the fund as part of private equity. They are typically LPs. So you have LPs and you have general partners, the GPs. So that's one type of structure here. Or you may have like a law firm where you have multiple partners. That's a, another type of structure or accounting firm or whatever it may be. But that's how a partnership works. Two people come together and they form an entity and it's a partnership. Okay, so the next form of entity structure is an LLC. And this is really common and I'll dive into different examples throughout this episode. But an LLC combines elements of both partnerships and corporations. It provides limited liability protection for its owners, known as its members, who enjoy flexibility in managing the business and personal asset protection. So LLCs are really popular. I've created a lot of LLCs in my day. I've ran large LLCs, small LLCs. So your business could be any size and really be an LLC. So let's talk about LLCs in more detail here because there's a lot to cover and there's a lot of nuances here. When it comes to being an LLC, when you set up an LLC, you are by default taxed as a partnership, meaning that the income flows through your business and then you have a pro rata share of the profits that are distributed to the members, and then the members pay taxes on those distributions, okay? Which we'll get into here in a minute. But that's generally how an LLC is set up, but you can also file an election to be taxed as an S-Corp. So this is where LLCs get confused oftentimes because I'll ask my clients, I'll say, what type of entity structure do you have? And they're like, I'm an S-Corp, but really they're an LLC, they're just taxed as an S-Corp. So if you're an LLC, just by default, you're going to be taxed as a partnership. You don't do anything except for set up the LLC, you're taxed as a partnership. If you want to be taxed as an S-Corp, you're still an LLC, but you want to be taxed as an S-Corp, you can file the IRS form 2553. Okay, You could download this online, you could fill out the form, and you're still an LLC, but you're changing your election, your tax election, so you'll be taxed like an S-Corp. More to come on that, but... I just want to point that out so you're not confused. If you're an LLC, taxes an S-Corp, you're still an LLC. You just have a different tax election. Okay, so you may be wondering, what is an S-Corp? An S-Corp is a type of corporation, which I'll explain here. But basically, a corporation is a separate legal entity from its owners, known as shareholders. Remember, LLCs are called members, but in a corporation, they're called shareholders. It offers the most significant level of personal liability protection, 
Corporations can further be categorized into C-Corps, they're taxed separately from their shareholders, and S-Corporations, which get passed through taxation. Okay, so let me explain that here and not confuse you. But the C-Corp, you have shareholders, okay? That business makes money, makes profit, hopefully, and then those profits are taxed. So the C-Corp, the actual corporation, pays taxes on its net income. And then the C-Corp can pay dividends to the shareholders. So if I'm a shareholder, I may get you know some money from the C-Corp, and then I pay taxes on those dividends. So that's known as double taxation. So sometimes people will talk about C-Corps and how there's double taxation, and that's what they're referring to. So ultimately, the C-Corp pays taxes, and then dividends are paid to the shareholders, and then the shareholders pay taxes on those dividends. So there's this double taxation thing going on. Okay, so you may be wondering why in the heck would anybody choose a C corporation if there's this double taxation? Like who wants to pay double taxes? So let me shed some light on the hidden benefits that might make it a strategic move for businesses aiming for long-term success. So number one, C corporations provide a shield of liability protection. By choosing to be a C corporation, businesses gain limited liability protection. This means that the personal assets of shareholders are safeguarded in case of legal issues or debts. This shield is often seen as a valuable asset, providing peace of mind to both business owners and investors because they don't want to be exposed by investing in this business, by being a shareholder, which makes sense, right? They don't want somebody coming after their personal house because the business runs into some issues. So there's that shield of liability protection, which is one benefit. Number two, it attracts investors when you're raising capital. So C corporations have a distinct advantage when it comes to attracting investors and raising capital. Oftentimes in private equity, like venture capital or private equity, they're going to require the company to be a C corporation or at a minimum an LLC. We'll talk about why S corps aren't attractive later on, but for now, C corps allow you to issue multiple classes of stock and offer different rights and preferences. C-Corps can also tailor their equity offerings to suit the needs of various investors. So there's this great flexibility that exists there. Venture capitalists and institutional investors are more inclined to invest in C-Corps due to the potential for significant returns and the ability to exit through an initial public offering, an IPO. So that C-Corp structure sets them up for future success, okay, for this future exit that they're planning on doing. Another feature of the C-Corp is expanding employee ownership. So C-Corporations have the flexibility to offer stock options and grants to employees, creating a sense of ownership and incentivizing loyalty. This strategy can help attract top talent, align employee interests with company success, and foster a culture of innovation and growth. So there's a lot of benefits there with the C-Corp. When it comes to tax planning and deductions, Although often associated with this double taxation that we're talking about, C-corporations also provide unique opportunities for tax planning. By strategically managing income and expenses, businesses can take advantage of deductions such as employee benefits, business-related expenses, and research and development credits. Additionally, unlike other entity structures, C-corporations can carry forward losses to offset future profits, which is a big benefit, obviously. Then you also have perpetual existence and succession planning. So unlike other entity structures, C-corporations have the advantage of perpetual existence. The business can continue to operate even with changes in ownership or the departure of key individuals. 
This stability is particularly beneficial for long-term growth strategies and succession planning. So in conclusion, while the concept of paying double taxes might seem a little crazy or like a bad idea initially, the advantages of being a C corporation far outweigh this concern. So enhanced liability protection, the ability to attract investors, tax planning opportunities, expanding employee ownership, and long-term stability are just a few of the many benefits that make C corporations an appealing choice for businesses aiming for sustainable success. Now, this type of entity structure may not be appealing for everybody, so therefore, if they still want to be a corporation, people can choose to set up an S corporation. So an S corporation is not subject to double taxation like the C corp. Instead, the S corp is a pass-through entity. That means the S corp does not pay taxes. Okay, The business itself does not pay taxes on its net income. Instead, that income flows through to a K-1 and then it's distributed to shareholders and they pay income taxes based on what's reported on that K-1 report. Okay, so that's how an S-Corp works. It does not pay taxes. I want you to be very clear on that. LLCs do not pay taxes. S-Corporations do not pay taxes. Those are pass-through entities. C-Corporations, they do pay taxes. Those businesses themselves, they will pay income tax on their bottom line. Okay, so here's the thing, and this is really the crux of the conversation here. I'm so glad that I'm recording it because I have this conversation over and over again with people all the time. So at least now I could just point them to this podcast episode, and I think it's really important to cover this. So let me talk about LLCs versus S-corporations. When it comes to accountants, and I'm not knocking accountants because I'm an accountant myself, I'm a CPA, but there's too many CPAs out there that try to find value in ways to add value to their clients in terrible ways, right? So they'll try to help them with tax planning. And instead of paying income tax, they will recommend them going out there and buying a new truck or buying equipment that they could write off using section 179 depreciation, where they write off the entire asset and they reduce their taxable income. Okay, that may be a good strategy and may make the client happy because now they're driving a brand new $100,000 truck they avoided paying taxes and everybody's happy. But what they don't realize with this type of strategy in particular, and I don't want to sidetrack here, but I just want to give you a few examples. With this type of strategy, they're driving around the new truck. Well, in the future, they have to pay down that debt if they use debt financing and they're using cash flow from the business. But those deductions were already taken in a previous year, but that cash flow, it's not like the payment's tax deductible in the future. So therefore, they have net income, but they used up their cash flow and therefore they get into a cash flow squeeze. So doing section 179 to reduce your taxable income is not the best strategy. So I just, I want to point that out. Number two, if you're trying to reduce your taxable income, well, in the future, when you go to try to increase your line of credit or secure financing, or when you're just using your tax returns, you know, maybe to sell your business, your taxable income is going to be reduced because you you played all these games. There's all these shenanigans that were played in order to reduce your taxable income. And that hurts you. That hurts your ability to secure credit or to gain the valuation that you may want in the future. And sure, there's addbacks, right? But some banks won't do addbacks. Or when you're transferring ownership through a sale, you know, those addbacks may be harder to justify. Okay, so that's one bad thing that can occur if you don't get the right tax advice. Number two, tax accountants will try to put business owners 
into an S corporation structure. So maybe they're working with a client who's an LLC and by default, remember their tax is a partnership. So the accountant may say to the business owner, look, if you convert and file this election, remember the form 2553 and you start paying taxes as an S corp, you can save money because essentially when you're taking distributions from the company, you're paying a lower tax base because you're not matching Medicare and social security on those distributions and other taxes. So therefore there's this tax benefit. And most business owners, they don't know better. And they're like, yeah, that sounds good. Sign me up, change me, convert me into an S corp and I'll save money on taxes. However, they don't realize that there are other implications involved with this type of advice. And that's what I want to narrow in on before we wrap up this episode, because I see this over and over again. Also, when I was a CFO of a very large company, we had a structure where at the top, the holding company was an S corp. And this S corp structure was really problematic because we were trying to raise capital at the holding company level but we couldn't because we were an S corp and I'll explain why here in a minute. So that really impacted our business. So we had to put a hold co on top of the S corp and then we had to put a hold co on top of that holding company. So we had a hold co, a hold co, and then we had the S corp to try to get around this and to raise capital and got all messy. Okay. It's very expensive. It's very complicated. And if you are an S corp and you want to convert back to an LLC, then, then there's going to be a tax trigger. So be very, very careful before you just decide to file this election as an LLC to convert to an S corp. If you're starting out and you get bad advice or somebody doesn't understand the long-term strategy of your business, they may put you in an S corp when really you should be in a different entity structure. So I'm not saying S corps are bad. All I'm saying is that you have to choose the right entity structure based on your strategy. If your strategy is just to be a small little shop and you just want to you know, run this business and that's what you're going to use to make a living and fund your lifestyle, then some of these entity structures may be completely suitable. But if you're starting a business and you want to raise capital in the future, or you're starting a business and you want to scale it and bring on other investors, you have to choose the right entity structure upfront, or it's going to be very painful to change it in the future. So let's go back to the whole LLC taxes and S corp type advice. Okay. Let me explain to you why being an S corp. Okay. Even if you're an LLC taxes and S corp, you're going to still face these same limitations, but I'm going to explain to you why being an S corp may not be the best idea. And so some people argue with me and they're like, well, I'm going to save money on taxes. Well, up to a point, right? Because at some level your Medicare and your social security match is going to phase out. So really there's this cap on the upside that you can realize through an S corp type structure. Okay. So let me explain to you here some limitations of an S corp and maybe this will all start to make sense. So first off S corps have specific eligibility criteria, such as being a domestic corporation. You have to be domestic having only allowable shareholders, which includes individuals, certain trusts and estates. So you can't have an LLC as a shareholder. So if you're an S corp, and somebody's like, hey, I want to put money into your S Corp, but I want to put it in as Steve's LLC. You can't do that because you can't have investors who are LLCs. You can only have individuals, certain trusts, and some estates. And there's a limit of 100 shareholders in an S Corp. You can't have more than 100 shareholders, which can be problematic as well. In addition, S Corps cannot be owned by other corporations or non-resident aliens. 
Okay, so that's really, really important. Second, ownership and structure. S corporations have restrictions on the types of owners they can have. So for example, they cannot have multiple classes of stock, so they're limited to just one type of stock, which means the ability to issue different types of shares with varying rights and preferences is not possible. So this can make it more challenging to attract investors or raise capital. And that's why in VC, they're typically going to require you to be a C corporation or an LLC. So let's talk about taxation. While S-Corps offer the advantage of pass-through taxation, where profits and losses flow directly to the shareholders' personal tax returns, there are limitations to consider. S-Corp shareholders must pay themselves a reasonable compensation subject to payroll taxes, even if the business is not generating substantial profits. Additionally, some states may impose additional taxes or restrictions on S-Corps, so you have to be aware of that. In other words, if you're an S-Corp, you have to set yourself up as an employee and you have to pay yourself wages, W-2 wages, and you have to pay yourself a reasonable salary. You know that whole thing I was telling you where tax accountants will say, look, set yourself up as an S-Corp, you're going to pay lower taxes because you could take distributions and those distributions aren't subject to Medicare and Social Security match. Well, here's the thing. Yes, that's true but there's got to be some type of reasonableness as it comes to the proportion of distributions and your salary. So in other words, you can't pay yourself $25,000 a year in salary and W-2 wages and then take $200,000 in distributions and say, yeah, look, I game the system. It doesn't work that way. Instead, you have to pay yourself a reasonable salary based on what the market would you know, compensate somebody in your position. So you could pay yourself maybe $200,000 and then take reasonable distributions in proportion. There's, I, I'm not going to give you an exact number here, but it's got to be in proportion, right? So like you pay yourself 200,000, maybe take a hundred thousand in distributions and okay, that's suitable. But if you pay yourself $50,000 in a salary and then you take 2 million in distributions, okay, there could be some red flags there. So be aware of that. When it comes to growth and expansion, S-Corps may face challenges when it comes to scaling and expanding their operations. So unlike a C-Corp, which can issue multiple classes of stock and attract venture capital funding, S-Corps may find it more difficult to raise significant capital through equity financing. Remember, because they can only have one type of stock, one class of stock, you're limited to 100 investors, and if somebody wants to put their money in as an LLC or as a C-Corp, they can't do that. They can't put that into your business because you can't have those types of shareholders. Let's talk about compliance and administration. S-Corps are subject to certain administrative requirements, including keeping minutes of meetings, maintaining accurate records, and adhering to certain corporate formalities. Failure to comply with these obligations could potentially jeopardize the benefits and protections offered by the S-Corp structure. So there you have it. That's just a high-level overview of different entity structures. I just want to point out the whole S-Corp and LLC thing because it drives me crazy because too many people will just be quick to file this form, the 2553. They're an LLC. They're now taxed as an S-Corp. Or somebody will just set up an S-Corp from the get-go, but they don't understand those limitations. And like I said, if you're just going to run the business and it's a lifestyle business and it's just a way to earn a living and you don't really have ambitions to grow it and to scale it, an S-Corp could work for you. But if your plan is to grow it, raise capital, and you set up the wrong type of entity structure, 
And then later on, you need to switch to a different entity structure. It could be a painful and expensive process. So I want you to avoid that. So that's why having the right entity structure aligned with your business strategy is so critical. If your strategy is to go big and to expand and to cross international borders, you're going to want to choose the appropriate entity structure that will allow you to do that. If your plan is to be a holding company and open up other entities rolled up underneath your entity, then you're going to want to choose the right structure as well. So there's a lot of nuances here. Don't just be short-sighted and follow the advice of people that don't understand your bigger ambitions. That's really critical. And there's so much to this. And like I said, whatever entity structure you choose, make sure you're following the rules because you don't want to lose those benefits and protections that are offered by the specific entity that you choose. That's what's referred to as piercing the corporate bail. If you're an S-corp, you may be thinking, wow, I'm protected from liability. However, if you're not running your business as a true corporation, then if something happened and somebody wanted to sue you, then they can theoretically you know, pierce that structure and come after you personally if you're not careful. So that's why you have to be mindful of it. So in conclusion, I wanted to provide a macro level of the entity structures that are available in the United States and leave you with a general understanding of how they work. So when you go out there in the real world and you're executing in your business as you're trying to grow it, as you're trying to ramp it up and scale it, or you're starting it, that you don't make any strategic missteps along the way. Okay, that's what I have. If you have any comments for me, if you like this episode, or if you want to connect, please shoot me an email, steve at byfiq.com, which stands for boosting your financial IQ. Go ahead and send me an email there. I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear your feedback. Thanks for joining me for this episode, and I look forward to the next one. In the meantime, take care of yourself. Cheers. Hey, real quick, I hope you enjoyed the show. If you have business questions and you want to be featured on this podcast, send me an email at contact at cultivar.com and either type out your question or send a video or voice recording stating your name, your location, and what's on your mind. If you want to increase your financial intelligence, be sure to check out my other podcast called Boosting Your Financial IQ. All right, you have new knowledge. Go out there and execute. And until next time, cheers. Hey, real quick, I hope you enjoyed the show. If you have business questions and you want to be featured on this podcast, send me an email at contact at cultivar.com and either type out your question or send a video or voice recording stating your name, your location, and what's on your mind. If you want to increase your financial intelligence, be sure to check out my other podcast called Boosting Your Financial IQ. All right, you have new knowledge. Go out there and execute. And until next time, cheers. Cheers.